Happy Thursday, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. On this episode, we were um, joined by Christopher Leppert again, and um, we talked about uh, scouting this time of year along with what to do down the road, getting into season and stuff like that. And it really paid off for him this past season if... if, you guys haven't seen the cover art, or you're going to hear about it here later in the story, too. Yep, yep. And then, honestly, this is a very... I would say that this is a very uh, high... What am, what am I trying to say? High-end, high-tech, high-advanced yeah. scouting podcast. A lot of knowledge drop. Yes, yeah. yes. This isn't one of them podcasts where it's like, go find the bed, and then go kill the buck. Like, no, we dive deep. Step-by-step process yeah. of it, too. And, honestly, our podcasts are more fun and some informational but like this one here is just full of information. Very it's, informational. It's, it's amazing. And then like yeah, this time of year, um, you know, sheds are starting to drop. Uh, the foliage mm-hmm. is off. It's you, cold. You're going to be walk. out there anyhow, you know, looking for sheds. So why not put a mission yeah. to it? Yeah, and yeah. You know, make it worth your time of going out there, not just looking for something white and looks like a bone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um. Enough enough rambling about what the podcast is about. You guys will enjoy that in just a couple minutes after we get through who makes this possible. So I will start with uh, WiseEye. Um, so you guys know that we've been running WiseEye for a very long time. And uh, we have we were just talking about that um, after after we got off the podcast with Christopher. We were talking about like cameras and what we run and what we use and uh, we we think we have probably seventy to eighty cameras between all of us, mm-hmm. and uh, we were just talking about. And I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be very honest. We were just saying that uh, over those seventy to eighty cameras, we've only had two have issues. And what happened was was uh, software was trying to get pushed to them, or it was a firmware issue, basically where the software kind of crashed the camera. And uh, you know, we reached out to WiseEye and without even them knowing who it was, we didn't tell them it was uh, the guys from Born Again. Um, we just, I think Jarrett, Jarrett had one of the cameras. He reached out and he was like, hey, um, you know, didn't even give him a name. Hey, my camera died. They tried some things. They're like, oh, we'll send you a new one. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, "Where? what's your name? What's your address? Whatever. And as soon as Jarrett said his name, they're like, oh, well, we, we work with you guys. And yeah. then Jarrett, obviously, yeah, yeah. And, uh, can't say enough good things about them. I'm going to end it right there because I could ramble forever. But if you guys want to save some moolah, you can use uh, code BORNAGAIN, all lowercase, for 10% off at checkout. And uh, we've got Kudu Point Broadheads. Uh, if you've never checked them out or you're you know looking to try something new because you had some issues, those Kudu Points are mean. I mean, we've used them... For what four years now? A long time. Uh, it's been a while, and they are killers. I mean, they are the toughest broadhead. I mean, the ones that I use for practice in the target, I could take and throw in my quiver and use them to shoot a deer because oh, they stay that sharp. Hundred percent. Yeah, they are awesome. They've got you know a couple different styles of heads, uh, different weights. You know, so they're single bevel. Check them out. Uh, the code for them to save you a little bit of money would be BB. 24 for 12% off, and the BB is lowercase. Yep. Yes. And then finally, we have Premier Outdoors. Guys, you know we talk about Premier all the time. They have everything you can imagine, um, bows, firearms, supplies. Thermals. Boot, boot selection is yeah, thermals. amazing. Thermals. Tons um, of thermals. And I just went down there the other day and picked up my new lift. I didn't. 
So, Nobody said anything. No, no, no. no I I saw your eyes I, catch it during the podcast. One hundred percent saw that bow. Yeah. I asked Christopher a question, and I just kind of looked over, and I'm like, "No, I saw this because you looked over at me like with kind of big eyes, okay. but you didn't want to say anything." Listen, listen. <laughs> I thought that at first I was like, "I bet Kevin grabbed my bow as like a prank." Oh. <laughs> so like I'm looking at it, and I'm like, "Wait, it doesn't have black limbs." Like I'm like, "That's not my bow." And then I was like staring off into space. And then I, I, I came back to reality. I'm like, oh, I got to pay attention to this podcast. But like, I'm like, there's a brand new lift hanging on the wall. Yep. Like, what is that about? <laughs> Just a little something. Oh, my God. No, I went down there and talked to Aaron. And I'm like, hey, I want to put an order in for this. And he's like, well, we got a couple coming in. I'm like, well, I don't want to take somebody. He's like, if you guys can move them, move them. He's like, well, I think what's going to be happening is like the, the stock that Matthews has is going to be running out. So yeah, if, if you don't get one now... You're not going to get one until August or September. Yeah. So I'm like, put my name on one. I'll take it. <laughs> Cow. So, yeah, got that. But, yeah, if you guys want to go down to Premiere and save 10% off, um, go to the register and say Born Again 2024, and that will save you, like I said, 10% off everything except thermals, guns, Matthews, bows, and um, already anything on already on sale. But everything else, 10% off. Yep. Yep. Um, lastly, uh, we say this every week. We we love you guys. We appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening. The podcast is growing more than we could ever imagine. Um, we're charting. We love it. And it's all because of you guys. And we want to say thank you. Um, so if you want to support us by not spending any kind of dough, um, please do that by leaving a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, subscribe to YouTube. Um Send us a message. Um, as always, we you know we greatly appreciate it, and uh, mm -hmm. don't forget about the um, listener questions. Uh, we've we've had a, a few of them come in, uh, and that's that's a spiritual question that you have any questions about, or personal, or hunting in general. It doesn't matter. Uh, send them to us uh, at bornagainbowhunting at gmail .com, or you can leave us a voice message on Instagram. And lastly, I know I've said that already multiple times, but this is truly the last little tidbit. Uh, if you want to support us um, by uh, purchasing our, our merch, uh, we'd greatly appreciate it. You can visit our website at bornagainbowhunting.com. Um, we got some t-shirts, some hats, and uh, we're running out of some stock. So uh, sooner or later, it probably will run out, but I promise we will restock uh, probably before hunting season, maybe with some new designs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Uh, we got Black on with us tonight, which was a it was a nice nice guest appearance from Black as well. Always and, happy to be here, miss you boys. <laughs> and uh, it was it was a good one. So I don't know. I, I kind of want to throw this out there. It might be a two parter. It might not. Depends on how we want to edit it. So if if this is only an hour long, it's a two parter. And if it's a two hour long podcast, obviously it's a one parter. So enjoy. So we're, we're a Christian um, group of guys, and we're all followers of Christ, and I do want to talk a little bit about this. And I look up, and he's trying to click the camera on, and I go, 72 yards. My strategy was completely different. I east got out these areas, and I knew the terrain features I wanted to hunt. These smaller bucks start hitting it, and then the older age class deer start hitting it. 
I think our deer at home have bigger ranges than we want to admit. Just I, because of the more pressure. I 100% agree. I think that I would rather use a scrape line because I imagine that there's more bucks hitting a scrape line because the line's longer. <laughs> <laughs> Elevated sets are great. Um, different cameras respond different to them because what a lot of people don't understand is it's not a uh, motion sensor that set these cameras off. Wrap it up, Kevy. Send us home, baby. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Born Again Bowhunting Podcast. This, this episode, I think, is going to be really good for us. Um, we yeah. have Christopher on, and we had him on previously on a different episode, but it looks like you're more at home at this one instead of uh, on a beach house vacation. Yeah, the, the last time we, we potted with you, you were like sunburnt and <laughs> sitting in a beach house and like kids were running through the rooms and yeah. All right, guys, before we get any farther in the podcast here, I just want to jump on and let everybody know that we had some some kind of equipment issues or something like that, but it didn't pick up any audio until where we um, take off on the the hub scrape systems. But what we missed was um, Christopher's introduction and the fact that he is in charge of the Mobile Hunters Expo, kind of like they, uh, they have like a little road show that they do every year, um, three spots. And the dates and the locations will be at the end of the podcast. So if you're interested, there's one in Michigan, there's one in Pennsylvania, and there's one for the south and i believe it is in georgia um so if you're interested in any of those please stick around um and get the dates and the the info for that stuff he is also in charge of um the fueled by the outdoors facebook group um that's a very good group and stuff like that so yeah we talked about um how to e-scout and the fact that he looks for different diversities very close together so that deer have multiple food sources for a longer period of time and kind of how he, he goes about map scouting and stuff like that. He said he, he takes about 15 hours of map scouting throughout the week is what he averages, um, especially if he's looking into a place to go hunting or if he's, you know, in season scouting and he, he wants to look at a new area or something like that. So, um, Unfortunately, we were not able to recover any of that audio, but we'll pick it up now on the um, stuff that we have. And like I said, it's with the uh, the hub system and like how much time do you have? How much of a um, area do you want to spread yourself to to look for beds over the the uh, hub scrape system, or if you want to just kind of find a scrape line or whatever? So yeah, please enjoy. Sorry about the the issues that we had, but um, we'll make it right. All right. Yeah. No, I, I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because that was actually my next question as you were as you were talking, kind of my brain was, you know, processing. Um, so <clears throat> I'll be honest, I uh I tried the whole hub scrape hunting in uh some I'll just say big woods, uh, Kentucky, uh this year. And um what happened was uh I I think I made a crucial mistake while scouting this time of year last year. Dropped down in a lot of hub systems, a lot of bottoms, found some some great great sign. Um, really paid attention to that licking branch though. Like I found a lot of scrapes, but like 
didn't really like stop until I found that licking branch that just caught my eye and just real twisted up real high up in the tree just like big branch you just know that a mature deer did that it wasn't just some dink running through there um <clears throat> so what I did was I I marked those those scrapes and I threw cameras on them and got just some hammers but one thing I didn't do um was uh look for that bed um and I think that really hurt me when I went back and hunted um, is that something, Christopher, that you're doing immediately once you find, say you find that, you know, hood size scrape licking branches, you know, at your shoulder and it's just ripped to shreds. Um, is that something that you're doing immediately or are you putting a camera on it? Um, and then also are, are you picking the exact tree that you're going to sit in? Because what I found was I had an idea of kind of like, okay, um, kind of pulled up the topo, looked at it, figured this makes the most logical sense. Um, to be honest, I didn't have the time to uh, go up there and spend, you know, hours trying to analyze one bed. So I kind of was just, I was trying to scout as much as I could because I only had a weekend to do it. And I just kind of pulled up my topo and was like, this makes the most logical sense. Dropped a pin, kind of looked for a tree that was like, okay, I can get into that tree. I kind of pinned the tree, and then I just kept on going. Um, I guess I picked that apart. Uh, tell me what I did wrong. Tell me what you would have done differently, et cetera. I mean, I don't think you really did anything wrong because you kind of hit the nail on the head with what I was going to say. Do you have time? Do you have the energy? Yeah. Um, we do 10-mile days on the regular. Uh, I, going up a hill? to find a bed. Sometimes I just don't feel like it and I'll do it next time. I do believe that it's important because if you know where he's bedded, he's dead. It, like there's very little chance because now I have the ability to do my favorite thing, which is figure out how to beat you with the thermals. And if I have a chance to beat you with the thermals and you can't see me, I, I don't think there's any chance. I mean, barring a uh, jackwad misses, uh, then, you know, then you get to live. But, um, so a lot of times I do look for beds, but mainly in my home state because I can go lay in bed with the wife that night, take a shower, eat good food. Mm -hmm. If I'm on an out of state scouting trip, I'm covering ground yeah. and going up and down every hill just isn't in the cards for my five, eight stubby butt. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> And I'm I'm trying I'm losing weight and I'm getting in better shape because I need to up that game, but I also feel like you know you can only do so much. But it is very important. And the deer that I kill in Ohio, it's pretty much the reason that they die for the most part, especially early season. I'm not going to discount it for the rut, but I just think you're you're just completely changing what you're doing a lot for the rut. Um, so it's a little different. Um, and again, I don't want to say that you can't bed hunt them during that time or anything, but generally most of us, that's not what we're keying in mm, on. Yes, we're keying in on does and scrapes and, you know, downwind side of pick your bedding or whatever. So, yeah. um, another, I think, go ahead, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Sorry. So I think that here in Ohio, it makes a huge difference. And one thing that's very interesting to me that I learned 
um, last year is, and, and again, you know, I'm, I'm pretty new to this. I'm, I'm a few years into this whole, like sort of higher level scouting thing, if you will, before I went to the same tree every single time, every single day. And I'd put 60, 70 sits in and I was a great deer hunter. And then I met great deer hunters and I was like, Oh God, you study soil maps. Are you serious? <laughs> like that's crazy. And, oh, you kill giants on public land. Okay. So (laughs) it's one of those things where, you know, you can kind of take it to whatever level you want. But one thing that's interesting is I wasn't finding any hair in the beds. Well, then my buddy taught me how to pull the leaves up. Mm -hmm. And there's hair under the leaves. Well, the way we read that is that they're there before the leaves fall so therefore they're there you know summer early season etc so that's generally what i'm looking for i i I killed my deer in the rut this year but i prefer that that was when i knew i was pretty much going to get my opportunity is end of october into november before they go crazy Mm -hmm. but my time is early season that's what i prefer because there's a lot of consistency and pattern and then the other thing is winds and thermals are way 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 more predictable yeah so um i would absolutely if you have the time and you have the energy try to go find his bed it's going to look like a big bean you know three and a half four feet long and it's going to be at an advantage more than likely where it can see down over the hill you know, if you're in hill country, we'll say, mm-hmm. um, oftentimes in the farmland woodlots, I find them in the corners and on the edges right of the woods, the just edge. inside. Yeah. They love edge. Yep. You know, I, I don't really think that a lot of bucks will bed inside of thick cover until you get when the leaf fall happens and everything. I'm not saying they don't, but I think they really like to bed with something behind them, like a big down tree, a big rock, a big steep hillside. When you have that and you've got like a bed, it's almost guaranteed. So then you mark that bed, and then if you've got like a scrape or a really good signpost rub, you put a camera on each one of those, and then you come back in. The other thing you can do, and then I'll I'll shut up and let you get to your next question, but a lot of people freak out over this. Come back in. Let's say you got a cell camera on a scrape and you had a good buck show up and you think you found his bed when you were out scouting come in and bump him right out of his bed come in with an advantage where he can't smell you and slip in there like you're hunting him and scare him out of his bed Mm -hmm. and then walk up and verify it and you got him i mean all you got to do from there on out is not screw it up yeah so real quick before before I uh, get into my other question, I want to touch I want to touch on that verifying. So um, this is gonna sound elementary or dumb, but how are you verifying that it's the deer that you were going in after? Because I have found that um, you know mature deer in general share beds, right? Like you'll always have that one. The, the most mature, let's say, will have his favorites and he'll push all the other deer out. But there's been lots of times where I've found areas that are just good, 
good betting and good buck betting is obviously what we're talking about. Good betting and, you know, maybe two, three different bucks use that. Um, say you're hunting a specific deer and you go in and bump him, which I'm not opposed to. I'm not one of them guys that think that, you know, you got to hunt the fringes, but how, how are you verifying that it, it was that deer that you wanted to kill? Are you just hoping that he runs by one of your cameras that are on an escape route or, you know, oh, et cetera? No, we're going to put eyes on him. We're you, getting within, okay. you're like, you're creeping up on the oh, steer like a Native okay. American. Okay. And you're like trying to get, because a lot of times that when you involve terrain, right, or yeah, yeah. shrubbery and all that, like. You're you're crawling, you. like you're sneaking so, is what you're saying. Yeah, I'm coming in from the side where there's no wind or sight advantage as best I can. And, and I'm going to plot that out. But, and another place you can try this is in the big like open CRP meadows and stuff or oh, a swamp yeah. where you have, um, you know, I've seen this a thousand times where they'll bed under that one big uh, walnut tree, autumn olive bush, whatever, out in the middle of a CRP field. And really, aside from bumping that deer, kind of tough to get on that type of deer because they're operating a little differently. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> walk in there and push him out. You'll see him jump up. And understand, I mean, are you going to get to look and count points and stuff? No, but, but you'll you yeah. say, oh, that's a big damn deer. I'm if pretty sure that's the dude I want to kill. Yeah. And then you can kind of go from there. Yeah. Now, if you have like a crazy specific deer and you have, you know, four deer that are eight points and they're 134 to 137 inches and one's no, 141. No, well, I, good luck. Yeah, and I under, <laughs> I understand that. I I when you said when you first explained that, I was visualizing like just walking, you know, but I didn't realize that you were saying like, no, you're in kill mode, trying to yeah. trying to bump him out of his bed. That's what I didn't, and now yeah. it makes a lot more sense. But yeah, that's pretty much if you like, Josh and I were in Eastern Kentucky. Um, and we're just trying to figure things out and the, the place we hunt, there's not a lot of wind. I actually almost kind of died there this summer, um, due to <laughs> some heat stroke issues, but, uh, there's never a breeze, not even a tiny nothing. And I noticed that, um, which I might've even hit on this in our last podcast together last summer, when I killed my buck there in 2022, I mean, I stayed out of that place all year because every time I would go and check the weather, it would say calm, calm, calm with the wind. There's there's no wind. And I'm like, crap. And finally, we get the last weekend of October. And I'm like, well, you got to go there at some point. Like the deer aren't just going to lay down for a month. Mm -hmm. You know, clearly that's just the way this place is. And I went in there and it was like 100% thermal based. And you'd notice that the deer would start moving as soon as you started to see the leaves tremble. And I mean, you can hear a single acorn drop at 150 yards, like dead quiet, super calm. And then the thermals kick in in the morning and here comes some deer. And then they pick up a little more and kind of stabilize. And then the bucks start moving. I'm a, I'm a really big wind speed, thermal wind speed guy. So 
That's why I like thermals a lot because you generally don't have thermals that are doing 20 miles an hour unless you're out in Colorado or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, that being said, we're we're trying to figure this out. I'm like, well, wouldn't it make sense actually that they would bed low in like a V-bottom draw? Because then if you're really shaded and you're down in there and there's any kind of water in that draw, well, now we've got a thermal pull and then he's wind to back just like he would be up top. Only now he's got water. There's a little bit of browse in the bottom and he's staying cool and regulating his body temperature when, you know, up top, it's like a 15 degree difference here. So, and then, so we start creeping up this draw. Boom. Up jumps a big velvet buck, a big velvet buck. And we're both like, so proud of that thought and like our mind is sitting in our hands like oh my god and we walked over and we got within like 45 yards of this deer he couldn't believe we were there he was sleeping he was like it was like if i ran in and woke you up in the middle of the night kind of thing yeah and he just he never really did bound off like he was scared he just kind of kept looking around and then he'd run a little bit and finally disappeared we walked over verified his bed and when we looked at it on the map and then you know kind of looked at the advantage he had dropped milkweed we're like wow you know so really (laughs) and and that's one of those things where last year i really pigeonholed myself into that upper third bedding and i just again not it wasn't working Mm -hmm. and so you know that's where you gotta learn to adapt and Early season, we found them bedded low multiple times, and for very good reason. Pressure's up top. Last year was the year of the thermal hub, so it was more pressure than normal up top. And um, then you run into the temperature and the, you know, the thermals and everything. So that's that. Yeah, yeah. My other my my other thought that I had. Um, oh gosh, probably ten minutes ago. We don't really necessarily <laughs> have to cover it too in depth but i wanted to talk about uh let me think on this how i'm gonna word this um we were talking we were talking about hub scrapes and we were talking about the scouting and i kind of wanted to talk about like the efficiency of uh is it is it worth finding um because in my opinion and please argue with me your thoughts in my opinion i would argue that it's it's maybe not worth finding the bed um, when you are trying to be efficient uh, in an out-of-state setting. Obviously, not in an in not in your home state, because I I did spend some time on a couple different areas where I was like, you know, I'm really gonna find you know, you know, pinpoint the bed, you know, the the scrape that's a third of the way up from that hub scrape that he's going to hit after he gets out of his bed. And I did find that. I didn't find any success in it while hunting. And and what happened was is the cameras told me that, and whether it was food-based or not, whether the acorn shifted or whatnot, I felt like I wasted a lot of time uh, scouting uh, during a time frame that would be like now, like February, March time frame, where in reality, I wish I would have just you know, maybe scouted a couple different areas, found some scrapes, hung some cameras, came back, say that August time frame, uh, you know, maybe even early September, depending on your opener, 
and then checking them cameras and then, you know, then kind of focusing on that area. Um, I don't know. I, and I don't really know where I'm going with this question. It was just kind of a thought that popped in my head and I was just like, is it worth, is it worth spending that much time this time of year scouting? Like, yes, I understand find the scrape, like find the bed, but is it worth like really tearing it apart versus you don't even know if he's going to be there next year based on like, let's just say based on food or crop rotation or acorns or whatever it may be. Um, Wouldn't it make more sense to hang that camera, verify that he's alive, say September, then maybe spend a little bit more time, go in there, blow it up one time, like actually blow it up, figure it out, and then don't go back in there till you want to kill him. I don't know. I mean, it all depends on what kind of time you have. Um, I think it's worth it, but again, I don't think there's ever really... I don't think there's one piece of like scouting that I could say is worth more. I mean, it's always better when you're scouting as you're walking in and hunting, right? But you can also have a very, very good idea of where your big oaks are and that kind of thing. Um, You also kind of get an idea of, so like, for example, we found some rub lines the other day, some pretty worthy rub lines, I would call them, not just your, you know, smaller whip rubs or anything. And you could kind of see the direction of travel and the whole nine. So I think really for me this time of year, the scouting is I can cover ground because I can see farther and I don't mind walking when it's, you know, well now here it's 60 degrees Mm -hmm. for a high, but normally it's colder, but regardless, I mean, I can walk all day when it's 60, but when it's 20 or 30 out, man, I just, I can move in a, a hoodie and we're golden. So you can really cover that ground. I think you can set yourself up and I mean you're not you're not going to figure out a lot of spots that you will later on, but you can kind of slow dial those spots in and then come back and verify. So it's kind of like a a tiered step process where you say, "Okay, I found XYZ. Now we're going to come back and glass you know, whatever fields, or we're going to come in and we're going to look at the cameras and then say, all right, we have a deer here that we'd like to hunt. We're going to hunt him on the opener. Let's try to go find his bed. Um, Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would recommend marking spots. If you, if you have the time and the budget, mark your spots now and come back after Turkey season and hang cameras. That reason is twofold. Mm -hmm. One, Lots of people are douchebags and steal your cameras and screw with them. We've learned the hard way last year. Yeah. Number two, weeds and tree limbs and leaves happen between now and then. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing more depressing than 20,000 pictures of a four-foot-tall weed that grew (laughs) during a windstorm. And, yeah. So that's super depressing. Um, Come back. Hang your cams. You can do a little more scouting at that point. And and the other thing that's cool about that is generally by that, you know, June time frame, there's a good chance you can look and see what kind of ag is growing where. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, beans, corn, et cetera. So that's, you know, that's a, to me, that's a huge part of your scouting is understanding the surrounding ag on the private land and what all the private land people are doing. If you can fly a drone, whatever you got to do, whatever's legal. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, really come back and, you know, just keep verifying. I, I mean, could you get away with not doing it? I think you could, but I think you'd have to walk a lot more in mm-hmm. a lot hotter weather because I can't see, I can probably see four or five times farther now than I can when trying to locate like scrapes and yeah. beds and stuff like that. Cause you yeah. can, you can immediately pick out a beach tree right now. Cause mm-hmm. they're like one of the only trees with leaves on mm-hmm. put green leaves on everything. You got to be pretty close at that point. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. that that's really, I think what it's about. Yeah. And I, and to, to kind of backtrack, I 100% wasn't saying that it's not important. I just, I kind of got burnt a little bit last, uh, last scouting season <clears throat> and it frustrated me because I spent a lot of time in areas, um, that I thought would be kill areas. I mean, Kevin and I spent a whole weekend, uh, in Indiana scouting that, that vegetation that I was talking about earlier, say like that we thought was just, we were going to kill. I mean, based on the sign that we saw the prior year and the amount of scrapes and the amount of bucks. And I even hit a buck in that area. We couldn't find him, but we just thought like somebody's going to kill in here. We spent so much time, money, effort, gas, etc., And we went in there and it was just like, this is poop. And, uh, I guess it just kind of put a bad, and, and Kentucky did the same thing for me. I spent a lot of time scouting areas that I, that I, from prior from prior seasons thinking like, Oh, I'm going to kill. And then for whatever reason, the deer just weren't in there. And, uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards that, like in season scouting, uh, just because of my sour taste is like almost in my opinion, like it's, it's the most important in my mind because, you know, you can do whatever you want out of season, but if he ain't in there when you got your bow in your hand, he ain't in there and you can't kill him. Yeah. But if you I would, agree. if you would scout it now, you would have a blueprint of oh, how it is. And then if there's deer there in season, you already know the lay of the land and where beds are and stuff. And yeah. If 100%. not, then you can bounce to the next yeah, one. Yeah. And I, and sorry, sometimes I get stubborn in the way I, uh, the way I talk. I am I not, I am not disagreeing with anything. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Scouting now is very important. Yeah. We were, we were just talking about that on the, on the drive over. Like, Figuring out the lay of the land, mm-hmm. figuring out like, oh, there's this little ditch or this little like subtle feature. And like, I talk about it all the time, like subtle features kill big deer. Like I quit, agree. quit looking at the big picture, like find that subtle detail because that's what's going to kill him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I, and all of that is done this time of year. So it's very important. But yeah. I guess what I was trying to say is like, I'm not going to take this year's scouting um as serious as i did last year just because i'm gonna paint the picture in my head i'm gonna mark some things that i want to check out and then i'm gonna verify in the you know early fall mm-hmm. late summer and then i'm gonna put a plan together yeah that's all i'm trying to yeah say. yeah gotcha yep. yeah yeah last last winter i did a little scouting trip with some buddies one of which was uh jake bush and we did a video and the whole nine hill country scouting and it was so awesome and informative. I learned a lot. We got torched and I felt the same way that you did. Like we came back and 
the pressure was unreal. I think we should never do a scouting video again like that. Um, just show a completely different place because there were people everywhere and I'd hunted there for years and never seen a human being. Yeah. And my so, boys are smart. Oh, dude. They found you. I had multiple, like bunches of people telling me where I was and I'm like, oh my God, no. And then yeah. we had multiple cameras stolen. One guy stole a camera went home and checked it and then brought it back and put it on the wrong tree. It was very interesting. It was like so dishonestly honest. Hey. Like, I didn't know if I should encourage him to not do anything or to just steal the camera. So, but uh, As he's checking really it, the camera's still on yeah. and it's getting pictures of his face. In his house. Literally. Yeah, walking through his house. It sets it, really it on the kitchen weird. table. Like, if you're going to be a thief like can you be a good thief please <laughs> so anyway uh i struggled big time there it was i've killed multiple bucks in that place and then didn't and it was a really really bad taste in my mouth mm -hmm. so i i feel what you're feeling and yeah. i'd also encourage you to think a little outside the box with your spot maybe go back there and check it out again because it takes a couple of guys, you know, running through there and blowing it up, you know, when you have no idea they were there. And then you show up and you're like, where did all the deer go? Yeah. And, and it could be a food thing, too. It, there could be a number of reasons. But um, I, I think that as you get closer, the scouting becomes significantly more accurate for sure. But like he was saying... You know, when you have a blueprint, when you get those spots and you start dialing them and you come in and check that camera and verify a deer's there, it's game on yeah, it's, at that he's, point, he's which is kind of yeah. where you're where you're going. Because at that point, well, now you know a lot about that spot and scouting, you know, it is about ruling places out more than mm -hmm. it is verify you're verifying that deer are not there more than you are mm -hmm. you know that they are there yeah so and that was another struggle of mine last year for sure like i'd drive three hours by myself kayak six miles or whatever and do this and that not do all this hiking and i have you know four spots to go in and check and one of them might be good and the mm -hmm. rest are trash and i find cams and climbers on trees and i'm like oh my god this is depressing yeah yeah so yeah it can be rough man yeah yeah but like we were saying super important uh yeah i sorry i get bullheaded sometimes i just kind of wanted to voice my opinion on <laughs> on i don't think it's like the 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 make all but super important uh and then, yeah, we can, we can, we can get off of that subject because <laughs> <laughs> it can help. It's not the yeah. end all be all for sure. Yeah. You can scout in the summer, find deer and kill deer. No problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know multiple guys that do it. I do it still. Yeah. But if I have an area that I want to check out and kind of get a feel for nothing builds your confidence like oh. walking through and getting to know a place. Yeah. And I'm, I'm 100% agreeing with you. I, yeah. I think this time of year is the best time to figure out, like the blueprint example was mm -hmm. perfect. Yeah. You got to get a blueprint of how the lay of the land is. You can figure out how the thermals are going to operate. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, uh, foliage is going to kind of play 
uh, a little bit more into that, but that's that's a, a different podcast. But it at least will give you an idea of okay, this is how you know the thermals and the wind's going to break, et cetera. This is how the deer are going to move. This is this is bedding. This is food, and you got to paint the picture. So yeah. yeah, a couple of things that I'll hit on before we move on to, for example, we were on let's let's say you know we're in a north and south running. Um, drainage and we've got those east and west running secondary ridges and you have a secondary ridge you're creeping up and you've got a tree that is rubbed let's say let's say you're on a west facing i'm going to try to piece this together in my head here so try to follow along you're on a west facing um secondary ridge so it's running from the west right or i'm sorry it's running from the east from the east facing, to the west yeah, yeah from the east to the west so it's facing west when you climb up that and you've got a rub line and all the rubs are on the near side of the tree which would also be facing west you have an idea that he's going up that secondary ridge just like you are mm-hmm. so when you find that money scrape and then you come in later on in the year and he's hitting a scrape in the bottom or that scrape or whatever, you have a very good idea. It's not guaranteed, and nothing ever is, but now you have a direction of travel. So your camera might have him J-hooking the scrape, and he's coming in from a different direction, but you know which side of the tree the rubs were on and which side he mm-hmm. or which direction he was generally going. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's just one thing. The other thing, you might not be the best at reading topo maps and to a high level to where you can say, this is pretty steep, this is decent, and this is like soft rolling stuff. Well, steep and deep will let you creep, basically, meaning that the thermals are not going to push up as easily. It's going to be more shaded. You're going to have a lot more advantage creeping through that draw you know, going in there after him. Um, thermals won't rise. They're going to fall. And then when you have that softer stuff, thermals push up and across it very easily. So that's another thing that you can kind of have in your head. Like, well, I can get away with this, but I can't get away with that or, you know, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So it just really gives you an idea. Like you said, it lays out a blueprint. It is not the end all be all. And, you know, I don't, I honestly don't believe you're just going to like, I could, I don't think I could go out and set up cameras right now and scout and then just come back for the opener. Mm -hmm. That's not, this is just a a layer. It's the bottom layer and then you keep building on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, you guys have anything? How are you? Like, I know you said you were, um, like picking out a tree, but now once once um like season changes and st- or comes around i guess do you do you rely on that or do you kind of like do a little bit of scouting in season and then you go hunt that tree or do you just shoot up that tree i'm i'm definitely scouting yeah. my way in and and again you know there there's some things that are going to be a little bit different when you come back you know foliage is one of them you could have a big tree knock part of your canopy out and then all of a sudden it's now wide open and you can't get to that tree. Mm -hmm. You may have to adjust. There's 
a million different things that could go right or wrong. So definitely scouting my way in and, and I'm coming back probably twice, you know, I'm coming back to hang a cam and then I'm coming back at least once probably to check it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I'm coming in to hunt. So, you know, as far as the kill tree, that's something I feel like you can pick now and then verify later. It won't be an end all be all, but like for certain situations, like one of my favorite things to do to set up on a deer is to use a Creek river, a draw, mm -hmm. anything with a, a good bank that has shade, uh, pool water is a huge plus because anytime you've got that temperature change down there, it sucks everything down and the way, you know, water would flow even if there mm -hmm. isn't water in it. And so you're going to be able to beat the deer's nose. He's up there smelling everything else, doing his thing, and you're in the one spot that he basically can't smell. Mm -hmm. And and so you're able to access that. A lot of times I'll access with creeks and drainage ditches and stuff like that. Um, old creek beds that have dried up, but there's shade you got a little breeze in your face and you know, you never pay attention to it until you do. And then you're like, Oh my God, this is genius. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's one thing that I think is crucial is if you can line that up and then you come back and it works, you're all re You're ready to go. You mm -hmm. have nothing else to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, two thoughts that I have, uh, one thing that I wanted to work on this year to kind of up my game was, uh, I don't want to say track hunting, but like really paying attention to big tracks and trying to identify um, specific tracks. We all know that um, every deer's hoof looks a little different. They've got brakes in them. They might have a bigger pad on one side than the other, et cetera. There's always a feature that you can figure out. And a lot of times if you're lucky, um, you can get a picture of a, of a mature deer that you want to target in a scrape, for example. And then, you know, maybe you might get lucky and like that day or the day or after you can go in there and try to like figure out what, what his track looks like. Maybe you see him and then you verify the track. Um, that's something that I really tried to up my game on this year. Um, and I, I think, I think it was successful. I, I think that it helped me out a lot. Uh, just kind of kind of paying attention to uh, something that was that wasn't like as obvious as a rub or a scrape. And the reason why I bring it up is like a lot of your real high level guys um, kind of live and die by like the tracks. Like they're like, well, I was going in there to kill him on this whatever feature, but I seen the track, you know, a hundred yards before where I wanted to hunt him, hunted the track and killed him. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Chris? Like, what's your opinion on the whole track thing? Because sometimes I have a hard time, like, I know that's kind of like blatantly obvious. Agree. Like, well, he's right there. Like, you should hunt him. But no, I want to go back there. Like, what? I don't know. What are, your, what are your thoughts? So I think tracking can be difficult. I hear guys talk about tracking in our region a lot. And... Here in southern Ohio, we barely get any snow. Tracking up in the northeast is huge. Um, guys literally follow deer in their tracks and shoot them with guns a lot. 
I'm sure some do it with bows, but uh, it's also kind of prevalent in the South. They they go off tracks a lot because they have mud here. And I don't know what it's like for you guys, but I would imagine it's relatively similar. If you don't have wet dirt or snow or mud, well, you don't have tracks. Yeah. If you hunt the Appalachian Mountains, there's not tracks unless you find a water puddle. Like, that's very difficult. You can find them in some of the scrapes. Um, but I just, I guess I probably shouldn't discount it totally. But one thing that I noticed when I got into the public land thing is, you know, if it's beat down in any way, then it's probably traveled a lot. Does, yeah. Um, because the dirt is so dry. We've got rough, rocky clay soil and all that. And they just, they don't lay down the track sign that, you know, this, it, it's like so like attractive to think about. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool. And that it's funny you bring it up because I wanted to up my game with that this year as well. But I always bring myself to reality and say, well, when you find a track that, you can not only recognize, but, you know, repeat more than one time and see somewhere else other than in the drainage ditch, then maybe you can track a deer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I just really don't have the opportunity to track a yeah. deer ever yeah, where yeah. I hunt. And I, I wasn't necessarily talking about like tracking to kill. I was just talking about like paying attention to the track to yeah. set up. And the the where I find um, this, I hunt a lot of uh, big timber as well, but this it's super hard to, to do that in, in that kind of setting. But what I'm talking about is farm country. There's, okay. there's a lot of areas where you can hunt in farm country where, you know, say the bean fields cut or even the corn fields cut. There's a lot of times where, you know, whatever it may be, tree lines, small, small wood lines, small, whatever, big, big woods leading into a field, whatever it may be. There's a lot of times where you, you will cut that deer's tracks and you're just like, huh, you know, there he is. That's his track. But I don't know. Sometimes I just kind of nonchalantly just kind of walk by it and I'm like, well, you know, I would, I would take notice of it. But in my mind, that thing could be three days old when the wind was different or the night before or something like that. I He's in the area, yes, but yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that was in the last, you know, four or five hours or the night that night going into that morning or something like that. Like I would have a hard time myself following that track to try to hunt that deer in this area because I seen a track here versus I want to go over here to this, you know, oak flat or yeah. whatever feature that you're destination. Your destination. X. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. see, but that's that's my point though. Um I have that same thought process, but if you listen to some of the higher end guys, they're like, no, idiot, hunt right there mm-hmm. because that's where his track he is. is or was. And it's like, I just have a hard time, like, <sighs> I have I think, a hard time, like, wrapping my mind around that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I mean, I'm not sure who you're referring to, but I feel like tracking is more prevalent where you can't see the deer, where you can't glass him, throw cameras up, et cetera. Now, not saying it can't be done, but I just feel like that's your way of identifying the deer at that point, yeah. if that makes sense. If you've got a camera on a bean field, you already know he was there. Yeah, and yeah. then, you know, you probably, you know, if you have access to him where you can throw up a spotting scope or some binos from the truck or whatever, 
little observation sit, you can put eyes on him and probably get an idea. But uh, I mean, I do agree to an extent, like you can probably run into situations where you're scouting your way in and you're like, Oh, that's a big track right there. And it leads up to an Oak flat, you know, not Mm -hmm. the one that I planned on hunting. And then it kind of twists your soul inside out and you go up there and sit instead and you end up with an encounter or you kill him Mm -hmm. or spook him. But at the end of the day, you're like, Oh wow, that was some sweet woodsmanship. And you know, I kind of used a, free piece of the puzzle yeah yeah yep, it's yep. always it's always like fascinating when you do things like that yeah yeah and it's like the puzzle pieces are never you never have all the puzzle pieces like the puzzles never complete you're always learning and, and Dude, trying I, new things and, yeah. and either success or you're like well i won't do that again because of this that's yeah you know? that's why it's so much fun yeah like that's why we're sitting here talking about it on a podcast yeah. Yeah. because it's so stinking hard yeah that like it, it you is. will pound your head into concrete to try to figure it out and then old boy just strolls by you the completely opposite direction that you were thinking and it makes no sense and you're like why did you do that Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) it's like it's because he's a wild animal (laughs) one of the things that was weird this year not really weird fascinating i should call it is that deer i killed he had a very unique characteristic which is you know, the easiest thing to tell in the world, he would snap saplings and like just shred everything. It was very, his testosterone levels were clearly through the roof. Mm-hmm. They'd get and caught in all the main beams of them. That's yeah. what would happen. I think, I think you're right. Um, <laughs> when I found that scrape, there were multiple little saplings that were just shredded, uh, there was one tree that was probably three inches, four inches in diameter, and it was just destroyed. And then when I got in between all the pressure and I found like what we call interior edge, like a super old fence row yep. that's covered up in honeysuckle and mm-hmm. other stuff, well, he was traveling the edge of that. And I, I had found a scrape like a week prior and there were a couple of saplings that were mangled, and I was like, okay, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to hang a camera on this because light bulb. I have a really strong feeling, and I don't want to alert him mm-hmm. to my presence and that he's being hunted, so I'm just going to kind of hang back. And then when I came back and checked that scrape, I did find some pretty big tracks as well as other tracks, and it, it was wide open, and there were probably five or six more trees that were just mangled and twisted. I, I mean, I think you might be right. I think they got caught in his main beams and that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's when I was like, you need to be in a tree an hour ago. Like get up a tree now. <laughs> yeah. And so I hung a one stick eight feet high or sorry, seven feet high and put my tree stand about a foot above it and, Killed him an hour and a half later at That's eight feet. Awesome. You dog. Thirteen That's yards. You That's dog. a cool story. You dog. I couldn't. I couldn't <clears throat> see that deer until he was fifteen yards away. The the honeysuckle <laughs> and everything was did so you, thick. Did I, you hear I him coming? Him. Yeah. I, so it was crazy. I heard some footsteps come off of one of the secondary ridges, and I was sitting kind of downwind, thermal wise, of the scrape, and. 
there was one spot where I could probably see maybe 40 yards, but I knew it wasn't the spot that he was going to be. Mm-hmm. It was behind me um, and not just not where I expected really any deer to come from. But um, I heard some footsteps come off the secondary ridge, and I had put some uh, dough and heat in and all around the scrape. Like I chucked it 20 yards or so in every direction just to kind of play defense mm-hmm. so he would hit that win before he hit mine if he came in and talk about a good decision <laughs> i i think that's what happened i can't you know i'm not in his head but um he could have been coming in to check the scrape but anyway i hear the footsteps come down and they go around and jay hook me and they're coming down a trail and i look and it's two does and they're basically at you know, I'm staring at the scrape and they're at like seven, seven thirty. So they're behind and to the left. So I'm watching them over my shoulder and they just got an uneasy look and they turned around and walked away. They didn't blow. They didn't run. They didn't throw a flag. And later, as I analyze this, the, what made sense in my mind is that they smelled the dough and heat and they kind of understand like, it's about to hit the fan if a buck comes yeah, in here. I, they like want, I've already been ran to death yeah, they yeah, 70 to times that. today. Yep. I'm leaving. Yep. So maybe 20 or 30 minutes later, the thermals started sucking down pretty good. And I heard footsteps, and it turned into trotting. And then I heard, <laughs> and I'm like, God, please can this please just not be like a two-year-old or a little stupid year? Like, <laughs> yeah, spike. Just, please yeah. just let this be a deer that gets my heart pumping a little bit at least. You know, a good three-year-old would just make my day tonight yeah. just to be able to watch him, you know, do his thing. Yeah. Well, he gets down there and he sort of bumps those does a little bit, sort of soft bumps them, I would call it, you know, just a couple quick steps. And yeah. then yeah, yeah. I heard him break and he came down the same little trail that they came and again i can't see this deer at all i Mm -hmm. can't even see a silhouette i see nothing at all i hear the deer and know a direction and that's it and he's 25 yards so i hear him break and start coming so i'm like well you know if it's that deer it's too late by the time it gets here. Yeah. Grab the bow. Yeah. yeah. So I, oh, I already had my bow. Yeah. But I, drew, <laughs> I drew my bow and bent at the waist, and he came, and I could tell he was pretty good. And then when he put his head underneath a vine to get underneath it, I was like, "That's him." That deer looks like it has multi. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's him! I cannot believe this deer showed up in daylight and here he is i'm like okay and he got underneath and because you know he was going down when he came back up it pointed his head and eyes right at me Mm -hmm. and he stopped and he didn't really look alarmed but i thought well i'm not waiting he's 13 yards like we can do this Yeah. yeah and i let it fly and well Took a ride in the kayak. Back out, so. <laughs> so he was he. It was a frontal shot. It was a frontal. Yeah. I actually misread the angle. He kind of changed his angle when he got underneath that vine. He was quartered to pretty good, so I stuck it 
um, inside of his left shoulder mm -hmm. to kind of come across everything and exit out in the back there. And what had actually happened is he turned straight to me. And so I hit basically in between the cavity and the shoulder. Mm -hmm. And I'd seen this two other times in my life and never heard of it from anyone else. I hit the brachial artery and I'll never encourage anyone to take that shot on purpose. Mm -hmm. It's nothing I want to target, but man, is it deadly. Um, probably bled like a stuck pig. He bled. I mean, Stevie wonder could have jogged that trail <laughs> in a dark, like crazy elk, elk trip blood, yeah. like crazy blood. And, um, so I was using a two inch, uh, mechanical it was a sever 2.0 and i literally went through the entire deer like underneath the skin right through the uh between the shoulder and the cavity and rode the cavity cavity underneath the skin all the way down exited into the hip and the arrow came out so the hmm. arrow because it never really hit anything after that artery was totally void of any blood yeah I found a perfect white fletching and wrap um, on my arrow, and I'm like, We've seen that. Wow, okay. And then I started finding pen pricks of blood, and it turned into, you know, order and silver dollar. Mm -hmm. so, and then all of a sudden it was like, Just opened up. Somebody had blood to give away. Yeah. And they were just walking with gallon jugs. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, he blew at me when I started to track him. Huh. Um, like the craziest blow I've ever heard. And then he blew at me again later on and I backed out, came in the next morning and found him. He basically bedded down and never went to sleep and never woke up. Yeah. Was wow, on his belly. That's a crazy story. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Man, it's pretty nuts. The uh the picture of him in the kayak, like his neck just looks like oh. the size of an elk. It's just he's massive. A he's a tank, yeah. It was you know, like I told you before, I'm really happy that he was a giant and everything. And it, it, he's my best deer. But the scouting piece was the coolest part. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's neat that we got him and it's neat that he's, you know, he's a 172-inch deer. That's cool. But the scouting piece was really cool. And the fact that he's just a mature, a big mm -hmm. brute. You know, if that was a 125-inch inch six point, I'd be just as jacked yeah yeah because like, yeah. he was he was a tank but i'll take 14 points yeah. <laughs> i'll miss a big eight every year so i can kill that deer <laughs> go through that turmoil ain't that the truth so um what would you say was the most important uh aspect of scouting to to harvest him like going back what would you say, like, I'm going to pat myself on the back for this? What What did you do right? Got got in between the pressure and figured out where, how he could navigate to do what he wanted to do without anybody messing with him. Mm -hmm. And it, that's, that's one of the coolest things that I've ever seen, it, you know, being raised as a private land guy. You bump a deer and he's in the next state, right? Like you're, you scared him to death and he's never coming back. And that deer, I had four or five people message me pics and videos of that deer. A guy, legit, so the people that 
came in and kind of ruined the hunt opening day. The one guy messaged me and said, sorry for the mix up. I'm going to send you a deer that you definitely don't know about. And he sent me pictures of the deer I'd been hunting, sent me video of him, (laughs) said, I can't figure him out. We've only got two videos of him in six months and we're getting like, you know, three videos a week of this deer, but they're all at night. Yeah. 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 And so I kind of figured we were going to have to use that end of October, beginning of November timeframe mm-hmm. when they get just ballsy enough, yep. you know, to start moving, but they're not in the next County on a hot dough or something. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but that guy sent me that message and I killed the deer three days later. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. Dude, I, I, I would have messaged him back and been like, this deer? Just like send <laughs> yeah, him a picture it, of the one you killed. It's really hard not to get like yeah. cocky with some people because yeah. some people say things and you're like, God, guys, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> like, why? We don't have to be cool. Like, can we just go hunt, please? Yeah. 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 But, um, yeah, I would say getting in between the pressure, man, that was the most fascinating thing is as I'm, you know, this place again, you know, I've seen people and, this year there's presets hung everywhere there's uh cell cams everywhere and so as i'm walking through here legitimately i'm because i'm on social media and everything mm-hmm. i'm trying to avoid even running into anyone being mm-hmm. on anybody's camera because as soon as they see that i'm there they're like oh well that's where that deer yeah. came from and that and so and they know why you're in that area yes mm-hmm. and so i'm avoiding cameras And then it got me thinking, you know, the hamster jumped on the wheel and I was like, well, if I'm doing this, I wonder if he's doing this. And pairing that with the pressure that I found out, uh, you know, from all the ladder stands from the private people, I got in between it and literally the second time I basically used that same strategy I just talked about, encounter and he's mm-hmm. in the kayak it's just you know i'd kind of been bouncing around on you know this feed tree and this scrape and the whole time he was doing something completely different because he was being pressured in mm-hmm. these areas and that that also which again it was only the second time i got to really do this but i started doing what dan infault refers to as stacking where you just pressure an area mm-hmm. until you you know get him into an area and force him in there and kill him there. And I mean, it worked quicker. I don't know if it was that more, more so, you know, than the pressure he was receiving from everyone else, but Mm -hmm. whatever it was, something worked (laughs) or we got really lucky. I'll take the luck. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. Now, um, obviously don't say anything that would, and I know that you're good with this. Don't say anything that would give anything away, but I'm curious, uh, just for my own, uh, personal selfish kind of uh question i should say i've always wanted to do something similar to like what you were talking about like hunt a deer where he shouldn't be because that's where pressure pushed him and, and kind of figuring it out what was there anything that he was using or like because like i'm a big i sometimes i i get caught up in the oh well a deer would never do that so I'm not yeah. going to go there. Was there anything that like 
he was doing that was just like blowing your mind like holy cow this thing was climbing this bluff that i never would have thought a deer would have done or was he you know swimming across this river every day or like i'm just curious like what what did he do to avoid people without giving away too much if 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 you can um honestly just using the well i mean really i mean let's face it you know the way it works in my mind those deer like we can do whatever we want for our scent and we can do xyz and try to be as careful as we can but at the end of the day they're better than the best hound dog in the world yeah 100 percent. so when you get out of that tree if he walks anywhere near there or is downwind of there he knows where you are Mm -hmm. and we've all seen it on camera yep you you walk through a wma and the next morning that buck is on all your cams trailing you or whatever right so um he can smell where everybody's hunting and i think the human condition leads a lot of people to a few areas that look great on a map look great on in person and when i talked to dan about how and where i where i killed him um he just kind of smiled <laughs> because it was literally the dumbest looking <laughs> patch of grossness that you would never sit in but because i'd found that interior edge that's great you know and and had the the thought of like moving within cover to avoid even being seen i mean i think that's why because at the end of the day nobody wants to sit and not see a deer Mm -hmm. like i could have easily not seen a deer that evening if they don't come down that trail i mean if they're 16 17 yards away i just hear him mm-hmm. and i could have easily never shot that deer and he could have walked out of my life and i wouldn't have even known that it was him yeah but i think that when you really break it down a a big deer like that imagine if i tried to kill one of you guys all the time a certain time of year like you get real smart real quick yeah and certain things would make you feel safe and if you know that you don't encounter people like me in a certain area, you're probably going to feel pretty safe in that area. And kind of like what we hit on before, get a little cocky. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's all it was really is an overlooked spot that doesn't really get any pressure because it's tough hunting and you're not going to go in there and watch a field full of majestic does, fawns and two year olds. And so, you know, I think that when you boil it down, I think that's what it was, is mm-hmm. just an overlooked area where he could move and avoid people. And it, not that I am a genius, but it makes me feel like a genius when, because I had that frame of mind, you know, I had that mindset, like, what could he do to avoid everyone, but still live his life? Because they don't, you know, everybody talks about how they just like lay down all day. I'm mm-hmm. like, those deer move all day he just only moved 40 yards from his bed today Mm -hmm. you know if it's high pressure you know whatever so um they got to get up and you know munch a little bit go to the bathroom stretch their legs we've all had a lazy day you got to get up at some point right Yeah, right so i think that's what it was um obviously we'll never truly know but I, i think that's Hey, I, the biggest piece I of the like puzzle. I like the story, so we're gonna stick with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, that worked. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, nah, no, that's a sweet, that's a sweet kill. Yeah, I, uh, 
Definitely jealous. When I seen that picture uh, floating around on social media, I'm like, dang, that's a hog. Yeah. I think one of the coolest things, um, do you guys know Hunter Hogan? Yeah. Yeah. We've talked to him quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Super cool dude. So he texted me and he was like, dude, nice buck. Your deer's going viral, man. I've had like eight people show me that. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't, I never really thought of it that way. I mean, obviously a deer like that gets attention and I'll hold him up for the people to see here. Yeah, he's a stud. It's insane. This, uh, so they, hopefully you guys can still hear me. So yep. this is technically a G2, even though it's clearly just four main beams, right? So um, that is 17 and a quarter inches. <laughs> so if you can imagine how much that helped us score. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 14 points, just a crazy deer. No, he's sweet. Yeah. Yeah, you'll uh you'll go a long time uh trying to top something as unique. I'm sure that you know you will kill something higher scoring, but unique wise, like that deer's gonna be hard to top. Mm -hmm. Never even seen a deer like that in my life. Yeah. yeah. Other than like a you know, high fence or something like that. But and that's why that's the reason I decided to go after him because I didn't know what he'd score. And I had a couple deer, you know, I thought he was like a fifties buck at first and I had a couple of those already, but with how unique he is and just being like a big horse of a deer, I thought that's one you should probably, that's one that's worth yeah. eating a tag if you yeah. don't kill him, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah. So well, if you, you ever run across one that you don't want to hunt that looks like that you know, just let me know. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. take one I'll like that. <laughs> drop, <laughs> drop some pins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like, I like uh, filet mignon. Yeah, <laughs> whatever, it, whatever it takes at this point. <laughs> nope. Um, yeah. I, uh, honestly, we'd all like to find giants this year. I hope to find another really good mature buck and kill him in the first one or two sits, and then move on to another state. Mm -hmm. Headed to Colorado this year. Uh, for mule deer and elk, so I'm really, really not looking to like give that much time. Thirteen sits on a deer for me is a lot of sits, so that was a large investment and took up pretty much all the other time that I had for mm -hmm. hunting anywhere else for mm -hmm. the most part. So, so that um, that was actually my next question. Did, so you hunted him? Uh, you said thirteen sits, so you hunted him obviously thirteen times. So I assume you. Did you have any other encounters with him the first 12? No. no. Never even a never even a daylight pick, nothing. And a lot of those sits were what I call like a quickie fringe sit where like I'm accessing, we'll say like a uh old creek drainage ditch something like that and we're literally like I'm taking I'm five steps from my kayak in a beach tree 10 feet up. Mm -hmm, like I'm yeah. not just trying and, to and I'm just hoping out. he screws up, yeah. you know, trailing one of those first does in heat or something. Mm -hmm. um, and then I I probably only put maybe five or six, like what I what I would refer to as like legit calculated, uh, yeah, very calculated sits. On the rest were uh, very much on the fringe to where you know I wasn't really 
pressuring the living heck out of the area, if you will. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, one thing that just kind of popped in my mind that I want to ask you is, uh, and and maybe this wasn't the case, but at least for where we're at and kind of like what we hunt, I've found that some of the the biggest deer that I've ever had the um, luxury to hunt are in a low deer density area. I mean, kind of common sense, right? Like, you know, big deer aren't going to get that big by doing what all the other deer do. And one thing that I struggle with is as a hunter, I like to see deer. Um, I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast, the reason why you hunt is because you like to have encounters. Mm -hmm. Um, I hunted one of the biggest typicals that I may ever have the opportunity to hunt this year and I ate my Ohio tag because of him and um I threw five sits at him very calculated sits I seen him three out of the five times uh but um I did a lot of observation sits uh for him and did not see any deer like I'm I'm talking like why am I out here you know I'm just curious what, what, how many deer did you see, uh, while, while pursuing him at any point in time during the chase? Did you kind of just sit there and be like, man, this is, why am I doing this? Because I personally find it's not fun. Like I know the deer and the reason why I'm out there is because you're chasing a world-class animal, but it's not fun to sit in a tree and not see any deer. So I just kind of wanted to see what your thoughts were on that or what, what you, uh, observed. A lot of that comes from, so you really have to pump yourself up when you do those and high or low deer density. If you're chasing one of those bigger deer, short of catching them in a food plot, that, I mean, across the board, everybody that I talk to, they're not seeing the numbers. They're, they're, they're looking for one deer and yeah. that is a, that is a mental struggle and you really, I mean, basically I just sit there in my tree. I, I saw plenty of deer when I was doing those fringe sits. But once you dive in, you're barely seeing anything. The yeah. occasional mm-hmm. yearling buck or, you know, a, a doe that's praying to God, she's not going to get ran to death <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. morning or whatever. And yeah. So um, I basically hype myself up. To the fact that that deer is going to show up more often than not and especially if there's like something that gives me any sign of confidence i'm like a football player ready to run out of a tunnel mm-hmm. like i'm i know you're coming because any other mindset makes you lazy yep. and complacent and then you get caught off guard yeah and you screw up like that first buck that i missed i was confident as heck i i painted my face up and i had like a sweet little viking get up and everything and um screwed that all up so (laughs) could have looked cool but uh yeah i mean i agree when you're when you're hunting those bigger deer like that more often than not if you're trying to get in close to where they are they're not where everybody else is yeah good luck you you ain't gonna see that can be depressing it's either going to be him or nothing. Yeah. Yep. And that's basically what it was when I did have encounters with him. Uh, I don't want to dive too deep into it. I mean, uh, we've done a few podcasts on it. So if anybody listening to this wants to listen to that, just I maybe we'll drop down in the description on what podcast to check out. But basically, short story. How big a deer? Uh, how big? Yeah. 
he's not dead. So, but we're talking like county, possibly state, kind of record-breaking deer. Oh, okay. So he's over two hundred inches then. Uh, yeah, he's he's big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We won't say anymore. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, That's yeah, awesome. yeah. But um, as far as I know, he's he's still alive. I I can't verify that, but um, I've been very careful with you know location and stuff. And honestly, I I don't think too many people. Obviously, there's people that know about him, but like from the podcast, I don't think a lot of people figure them out. But what I have said about the podcast is it's it's not close to where we're at, uh, and it's something that I've have a hard time hunting because it's wide open, and yeah. that's all I'm going to say. And it okay. is he is tough, man, and uh, yeah, so Heck yeah, dude. and low I deer density. I hope you grip and grin on him next year, dude. Ah, I'll send you a picture. Yeah, 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 <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll, yeah, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be awesome to have this conversation and then get a picture yeah. of you sitting behind him. That'd yeah. be pretty slick. Yeah, yeah, he'd be, he'd be something. But I don't know. You guys have anything? Because I'm kind of. I think that's a, a good podcast. Yeah. Unless, unless you got anything to kind of close with, and then any more so tips? So there's. One of the things that I'll say that I've learned that really helped and I, you know, kind of to help with this a little bit. So I, I drove to Missouri and Illinois by myself last year and scouted, um, scouted in the Mark Twain National Forest, which is like, I think a million acres. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. We've black super, and I've hunted that. Yeah. Super rocky. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did Indiana, did Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee, and I hunted Alabama this year as well. And uh, one of the things that I would stress when you're looking for these scrapes is to not, I wouldn't get caught up in um, the size of the scrape. While I think that that's something that can be good, I'm more looking if the ground is pretty recessed because recessed ground is telling me that this is an annual Mm -hmm. thing and not just all the deer hit it a lot this year. That recessed ground tells me that bucks bed here. And this is probably something I should have hit on when you asked me, you know, why, why would this be important this time of year? And do I think that it's very important? So when you find that scrape with the ground, that's really recessed and it might have a beautiful licking branch, it might not have a pronounced licking branch that's broken at all. You might be looking at green leaves and maybe a branch with no leaves on it or leaf-covered branches. I've found those too and just found the open, recessed ground and was like, oh, put a camera on it, come back, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is the <laughs> best scrape I've ever found. Uh, this is where I'll kill this deer and that deer and, and, and honestly had the deer on there all year. So check out, look for recessed ground, the big broken branches, you know, six feet plus high. Mm -hmm. Those are great. But I think that's probably a little more to do with like rack characteristics and stuff than it is, um, you know, because some some bucks don't leave as much sign. So, you know, some are going to be rough. You could have a big two-year-old that reaches up there and he's just feeling frog and snaps a branch Mm -hmm. and 
you know? So um, it's not always that, but the recessed ground tells you that bucks are betting in here somewhere, you know, wherever you verify or something, and, and they're coming down and hitting the scrape every year. A good bit mm-hmm. because they're not. It's not generally a scrape that gets pulled out. It is all about the licking branch. So, which is one thing that I struggle with because I find these scrapes um, that don't have tore up branches, but they literally just lick and rub their face on the leaves, and that's it. And I I can't explain it. I don't know why some are rough and mm-hmm. others aren't at all. But the recessed ground to me is like that constant that you can really go off of. Yeah, hopefully it, that makes sense. No, that's, yeah, hundred yeah, yeah. percent. We've we've found a few of those and definitely paid paid attention to it. And uh, for anybody out there that's listening, that maybe is like, what is he talking about? You're basically looking for like a divot or kind of like, like a bowl, like a bowl, yeah. yeah, in the ground. And it's just because of repetitive use over a extremely long period of mm-hmm. time the weight of the deer itself standing in that scrape and over and over and over it again out. has created a little bowl basically. Mm-hmm. And like, yep. and like Christopher said, uh, when, when you find those, uh, I agree hundred percent. It's not those scrapes that you're just like, you, most guys might just walk by it is what I'm saying. Like, it's not one of them scrapes where you're just like, holy cow, it's like, not he, a truck hood. he tore this thing up. Yeah. It's not yeah. that. It's, it's not testosterone induced no, at all. Very it's, it's subtle. communication based. Yeah, mm-hmm. very subtle sure. detail. Yeah, no, that's yeah, a great I point. Agree. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, but that, that would be the only thing I have to add, though. That's I think that's one of those little tidbits that overlooked. It helped me of, a lot. Yeah, that's that pro tip. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pro tip. <laughs> all right. Well, we greatly appreciate it. Um, Unless you guys have anything, I don't have anything. No, I was just going to say, why don't you just plug yourself again um, when the shows will be, where they'll be again, again just one more time, and uh, and then we'll close. Yeah. Yeah, so for those that want to come try on some saddles or, you know, check out some lightweight sticks, I know uh, Trophy Line's the big uh, mm-hmm. rage this year. They yeah. came out with their Hyperlight sticks yeah. and platform. And, Magnite uh, material. Have, have you held those in your hand yet? Not yet. No. You guys have? We, we no. have not yet. No. Oh, you haven't? Okay. No. no. Um, I'm pretty excited, too, and I think I need to reach out to Sean and see, or Weston, and see if they'll be there, but I, I don't see how they wouldn't be, but um, I'm headed down to the NWTF show. Yeah. So if they're there, I will be holding them yeah. in my hands then yeah. because I'm really excited. <laughs> if if uh, Weston or Robert's listening to this um. Them suckers went to Indiana with us, and we were hunting, and we were we run trophy line stuff, and uh, they're they're a partner with with the show, and they were supposedly going to give us the sneak peek, but that never happened. Yeah. Well, so, the plans uh, changed from where they were going to pick them up. Yeah, at. them yeah. dirty dogs. They were going to pick them up while we were in Indiana. And, Got and, us all excited yeah. about these <laughs> brand new sticks and platform, but we never seen them. <laughs> Dude, they're. They look pretty legit, man. Yeah. I'm pretty excited to check out like the standoff space and all yeah. that. But yeah. they're, I mean, you know, game changer is kind of overused. But when you start talking about a, a system, not just yeah. a stick or a platform, but a system that packs like that, 
Man. And then what was it? Isn't it like six pounds or something for six everything? Pounds. Yeah, just pounds over six together. pounds. Yeah. Isn't that it's crazy? Insane. It's insane. It's like most, sticks most platform. people's platform is six pounds, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And we're not adding like cam buckles or anything. No. You're yeah. talking about attachment and everything because a lot of people don't understand when you get like a stand weight of like a 0. 0.5 or whatever, like that's without the straps. Yeah. yeah. That weigh a decent bit. Yeah. So, but anyway, if you want to come check out all that cool stuff and, uh, oftentimes buy it at a show discount get some good next level deer knowledge from some of our guest speakers um we have the mobile hunters expo southern shows in dalton georgia june 28th through 30th northern show is kalamazoo michigan june 26th through 28th the nor'easter is in Mannheim, pennsylvania at spooky nook and that will be august 9th through 11th tickets will be available soon online and they're at the door as well so like we're not going to sell out and you show up and can't come in mm-hmm. everybody can come in um and it'll be a good time and then if you want to check out uh, our youtube channel podcast that's called the mobile hunter podcast and mobile hunter youtube channel and then uh, we've got some facebook groups uh the mobile hunter and fueled by the outdoors so mm-hmm. feel free to check any of those out uh if you if you want any other details about the expo you can go to the mobile and check all those out. We'll be announcing guest speakers soon, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, we're excited but, about that. Uh, yeah, going to be a fun time. But hopefully, you guys will make it up to a show, man. Yeah, Love to have yeah. you. We're yeah, we're planning on it. We want to go to at least one. Mm-hmm. So okay. Yeah, yeah. We, we, well, yeah, we'd love to. We'd love to come hang out and say hi. Oh, yeah. we'll we'll hang out, man. Yeah. After we after we get off here, I'll I'll tell you about some of the people that are gonna hey that are gonna be there. So sweet, cool. Well, Heck thanks yeah. for thanks for coming on and uh, sharing your scouting missions with us. Uh, I think we got a lot out of it, and hopefully, the listeners will get a lot out of it too for yep. this time of year for yeah. sure. Yep, I appreciate it, boys. No, thank All you. The glory to God. Yep, Amen. Alrighty, doesn't matter what you've done in the past, you can always be born again, and born again is out. Peace.